Hello, I'm Joshua. And I'm Mary, and welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. We are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll meet guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart. Hello, Mary. Hi, Joshua. It is so great to be back in the studio with you. We took almost a month off. I know, I know. I like didn't know what to do without having weekly conversation with you. I it know. just felt weird. I think we needed to miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Isn't that, a, isn't that like a proverb so or something? We're from the heart like times two. I love that. <laughs> we had such a great spring season of shows though. It really was fantastic. Really proud um, of that. We were just chatting, chatting about it, how many different types of organizations um, and artists and leaders that we had over, over the la- those last mm-hmm. months, few months of the spring season and loved our, our sections on the fringe. Me too. Made fringe me very festival. proud that we had a platform for them to come and share what they do. We, we like to brag about the statistics of being a cultural city, but we really are a, a, just a cultural city full of wonderful, creative people. Mm-hmm. I love it. I know. Well, that sort of brings me to what I'm excited to talk about being back. You know, we've been away for about a month. I had a chance to go out of town, you went did. to North Carolina and hung out with my sister's cows that? on her farm and friends and family at a did reunion. Did you milk a cow? I didn't milk any, <laughs> but we salted them. Uh, when, when, you s- assaulted them? No, I, not assault oh. them. We salted them. They even both I weird. mean, it is North Carolina. I don't know. You might have assaulted a cow. <laughs> not enough people. Um, no, well, you see, they when you go walk out to the back of her house, they see you walking. They figure you have food. They come sauntering towards you. But she'll go and pour salt on their backs, and then they're all licking each other's backs. <gasps> but by doing that, they're taking the hair that uh, is on them off. And that's how it's it's a farmer saying I learned it really? myself, but it was kind of fun to watch that happen. <laughs> and so you saw th- this pasture full of cows all licking each other. Yes, yes. Well, that's a family reunion yes. to write home. It's like Caligula. <laughs> um, anyway, I should have said that to her. <laughs> wow. Well, I want to tell you when I got home, I went to Barnes and Noble, and look oh, what I goodness. got. I know really? it's the Orlando City uh, Magazine. And the mayor, our mayor, Buddy Dyer, is on the cover. But I started looking through it and I went, wait a minute, there's my friend and, and partner. Uh, in the entertainment and arts section, when they're talking about the 50 most powerful persons in Orlando, there's a section where they acknowledge the power of the arts and entertainment, which I is really true. I think that's great. I love that. But you just happen to be right there, number six. CEO, Central Florida Community Arts. I'm really proud of you. This is the second year in a row you've made this list. Thank you. Um, it, it's a huge honor. Um, I, my friends are, are razzing me big time over it. They're, you know, like feeling my arms and saying, you don't really feel much more powerful than all of those fun <laughs> things. But no, I just, I love that they that they recognize art leaders. You know, our friend Cole is on there. Yes. Eric Jacobson yeah, is on Cole there. Yeah, you and Cole and Eric are Lynch right in a row. And, and our guest today should absolutely have been on the list. Yes. They need to make the list longer. But um, yeah, it's just neat that they that they recognize that as a part of the power of our community. And for me, power translates to heart and passion and influence and and where you're spending your time and your energy and your legacy you're trying to leave and all of that. So well, I the think editor of the magazine that. in his opening uh, write write up, I'm not sure what they call that, uh, talked about that. He said when it comes to the arts that it wasn't a normal thing to think about leaders of the arts, but mm-hmm. after the Pulse incident, he saw what a great job our leaders in both mm. clergy and certainly the arts and he mentioned you and eric and um a whole, a whole host of others that came mm-hmm. forth and helped through the healing um 
Well, it's funny. Speaking of cows, so they have this this. Um, I know that's a weird transition, <laughs> but speaking of cows, they have this fifty most powerful reception. It's next week, and they have it in the <gasps> Millennium Mall in the middle of the courtyard. So they 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 rope off this section in the middle of the co- courtyard, and all these wonderful, powerful people, mayors and commissioners and superintendents, are in this little. Oh, they're corralled. Pen. <laughs> and people walk by and around and they look at you and it's like you're in a pen. Like, it's really interesting. I thought. So, so the, it's I'm like they're corralled here, into but, a corner. Yeah, so, but it's a, a very interesting place to have the reception. So that's so. where you had it? Yeah. In the Millennium Mall? And they have it there again this year. So I'm looking forward to uh, being stared at. It's and wonderful. when is it? <laughs> Next Thursday. So 13th. if we go on Thursday the 16th, we totally won't get go. let in the corral area, but we can, can stand like on the outside. Can like, we salt you? <laughs> totally you can. <laughs> I'm going to have my sister listen to this. Why is the mayor licking the commissioner? <laughs> Betsy, I promise we don't usually get this way. <laughs> okay, enough about cows and salting and licking. Let's talk to our amazing guest today. You know, we uh, are, like as we say in our opening, we get to talk to influential leaders and people who are truly making a difference in our community. And uh, Betsy Gwynn, uh, Elizabeth Gwynn, is the executive director of the Bach Festival Society and a great leader in our community and in the Winter Park uh, community. And so, Betsy, welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you back. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. We had you on our TV show but when we had it before, and this is a lot more chill than the TV show. Um, so this is just all having conversation about about Bach and about music and about the Terrific. arts. So, and we, we and can, we need that. And we do need that. Yes. And we can dress down a little bit more than being on TV. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Betsy, tell us about the Bach Festival. How did it get started? The Bach Festival has, I think, a fascinating history. So imagine back in 1935 when there wasn't a lot in central Florida. Winter Park was uh, a winter destination for many wealthy New Englanders and Midwesterners. They would come down and there were big uh, grand hotels on the Winter Park chain of lakes, many of which have burned burned down or a few were turned into condominiums. But but those northerners would come to take up the sun and relax in Winter Park for the winter. But there were no cultural offerings. Mm. And the dean of the chapel and the chapel organist, when Knowles Memorial Chapel at Rollins College was just two years old, a brand new building, Mm decided to have a program of Bach Vespers to celebrate the 250th anniversary of the birth of Johann Sebastian Bach. Wow. And there were so many people, they ran out of programs. And there was a woman in the audience named Isabel Sprague-Smith. So remember, this is 1935. She was a woman, retired school principal from the New York area. She was in her 70s. And decided then and there to make it her mission to create something akin to the Bethlehem Bach Festival, which is really Mm -hmm. the granddaddy of Bach festivals in the U.S. here in tiny little Winter Park. And she, she led the charge and created an annual Bach Festival. Now, this was right before World War II, and she cobbled together musicians and singers so there were Rollins singers and community singers that came together, and it was a weekend of concerts. But she she was so passionate about this subject and bringing the music of Bach to the South 
that the Bach festivals in the 1940s and early 50s were broadcast nationally on wow. NBC radio. Wow. wow. The Bach Festival of Winter Park was the first to perform Bach's B minor mass south of the Mason-Dixon line. Wow. Uh, she had this amazing correspondence with Albert Schweitzer, the Bach scholar at the time who lived in Africa, and she desperately wanted to come him to come to Winter Park and lecture. I mean, just this really amazing, rich Did history. He? He was in his 90s at the time and just, they had this lovely correspondence that we have in the archives, but he never did make it over. He was just, it would have been just too difficult to travel that distance. But that vision was um, on fire and she really created something from nothing. Mm. Wow. And we've been growing growing and surviving and singing and playing in Winter Park ever since. Well, when she started it, how few were there? And today, how many are there? Well, back in 1935, it was it was a small chamber orchestra. Now, of course, it depends on the repertoire. So they were, it was all Bach, and it was all Bach sacred music mm. in the Knowles Chapel. And Mrs. Uh, Francis Bangs Knowles is who the Knowles Memorial Chapel is dedicated for. And it was paid for by his daughter, Frances Knowles Warren. And she was a member of our board at the very beginning. And she was very particular about what was going to take place in the chapel. So it was all Bach sacred music. And there were a small ensemble of musicians. There was an organ in the chapel, strings, other instruments as as the uh, work required. And then there were probably about 60 singers and then guest soloists. Today, the Bach Orchestra also depends on the size of the repertoire, but we have um, over 60 musicians we contract annually, and we have about 160 members of the choir. Wow. It's amazing. And I was just, um, and I get to talk about my own experience because I sang in the Bach choir for a while. I don't know if you know that or not. I do. But yeah, but it was share. so cool. And we were talking about it. But just to point out that you have the distinction of being the third oldest continuously operating Bach Festival in the United States and Central Florida Central Florida's oldest operating performing arts organization. Wow. That's really incredible. Wow. There were, um, a, like I know Los Angeles was begun at the same time our Bach Festival was, or pa- perhaps a year earlier, but they ceased operation during World War II because it was so difficult. Uh, you know, lives were upended during the war. But Mrs. Smith, she was um, just focused on creating programs. There's stories that they created the sound of a harpsichord by nailing thumbtacks to the strings of a piano. Serious? I mean, it was a grassroots effort. But her focus was always on excellence. And that thumbtack story notwithstanding, she, she really did have just the highest aspirations for the organization. And it's something that we continue to use as our touchstone and our driving philosophy is really it's musical excellence. It's community mm. collaboration because the artists are really central Florida residents. Our mm. choir comes from nine counties throughout the state. We have members that drive from Jacksonville, Merritt Island, really? Mountain Lake, wow. Titusville, the villages Wow, to participate. And you think about when they started in 35, uh, many people probably didn't have cars. But now people are driving mm-hmm. all over. Just the, the legacy from then to now. 
pretty it's, cool. It 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 is especially. And um, you guys are absolutely committed to musical excellence, and you achieve that over and over again. Well, how is how has the repertoire changed? You know, similar to our friends at Orlando Ballet, ballet is only one piece of what they do now. The Philharmonic, you know, the full symphony is only one small piece of all the great programming they do. How has how has that changed and what are the types of things you guys do now? That's really a great question because we get that often. You know, people say, well, you're a Bach festival, but you do so much more than Bach. And we do. We began as just, I say just a festival, but mm. it was a, a finite period of time. And it was in March when when the visitors were here in central Florida. The weather was lovely. And it, like I said, it all began with Bach's sacred music. And then I'd say in the 50s, under conductor Ward Woodbury, or maybe the late, early 60s, he introduced Bach's secular music. And then I'd say, you know, creaking open the door, works by other composers Mm. in the Baroque era were allowed in. And then it expanded to other major oratorios, Mendelssohn's Elijah, Haydn's Mm. Creation. I mean, just some of those... Beethoven nine, those big masterworks were added to the repertoire. And with our current conductor, Dr. John Sinclair, um, he's just, he just sweats creativity. (laughs) And um, there are works he's added to our repertoire. um, And now we look at it works not only from the classical and Baroque artists, but we do work of contemporary composers. Mm. We just recorded um, five works by Pulitzer Prize winning composer Paul Moravec, mm. works that have never been recorded before. So we look for opportunities to take our musicianship beyond Central Florida. And how long has Dr. Sinclair been the artistic director? He's celebrating his 28th year wow, as artistic director wow. and I love conductor. This photo of him. Uh, we have a playbill here, and he's in the height of com- conducting with such passion. Uh, he's one of the most celebrated. Talk about being the 50 most powerful. He's one of the most celebrated cultural leaders. You know, there's always some recognition or article or, you know, he's just, he's really a staple in, in our cultural community. Dr. Sinclair is. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk more about Dr. Sinclair and more about Betsy as the leader of this wonderful organization. We return. Please join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with my co-host Joshua Vickery and we're delighted today to have Betsy Gwynn here. She's the executive director of the Bach Festival Society of Winter Park and we're so glad you're here. We, oh, I'm delighted to be here. We loved having you three years ago when we had a show and we were happy to have you back on our list and you said yes. Um, <laughs> we were talking a little while ago and I'm interested to hear a little bit more about the collaborations that you embrace and those that you're looking forward to. Well, I feel personally, and I know I can speak on behalf of Dr. Sinclair and our entire uh, Bach Festival Society, that collaborations, artistic collaborations, are one plus one equals ten. I mean, if you can get it right, if you bring partners together that share their mission and their passion, the resulting product is just 
so much more exciting. And I think one of the highlights for me and my role with the Bach Festival and the organization is our relatively recent partnership with the Orlando Ballet. Mm. We did Carmina Burana, and it started as just a conversation. It was a work, in fact, that we had done with the Southern Ballet Theater many moons earlier. Oh. And it's this monumental work, features powerful voices, big orchestra, and it's just so rhythmic. And Robert Hill was excited to choreograph something new. And I remember being at rehearsals, and he would have Dr. Sinclair and I over just to kind of look at the sketches he had done with the choreography, you know, the dancers kind of outlining his idea. And I just remember getting so excited and Dr. Sinclair getting so excited. And as the rehearsals continued and then the musicians would rehearse with the dancers and it all came together. I remember talking to them in the parking lot after a rehearsal one night saying, nobody knows what we've got up our sleeves, yeah. but it's truly incredible. And we presented three performances at the Dr. Phillips, or excuse me, at uh, Bob Carr Performing Arts Center. And I had several people tell me they came to all three performances. Wow. And that wasn't the choir or the orchestra. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was just so magical, just so magical. Mm -hmm. And it was so well received that the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center invited us to be a part of the grand opening celebration. So it was the last um, big performance on that grand opening weekend. Wow. And, and it really was the only local performance, right? Because they had was. the big, you know, gala opening thing that, you know, that we got to go to. But and I know that was so cool for the uh, David uh, with the ballet was so excited that they got to perform, you know, on the stage in that work again. And Robert will, will has told us in several interviews how Carmina is one of his mm -hmm. most treasured artistic experiences he's had and it really was aren't beautiful. we lucky i yeah. mean i remember and uh senator bill nelson was in the audience wow. for that and i remember getting a phone call and it was his office and they wanted dr sinclair's number so that they he could call and correct and congratulate him personally and i remember giving him out giving his cell phone number out and dr sinclair he's the busiest working musician i've ever met and he happened to pick up the phone when Bill Nelson called. <laughs> wow. And wow. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic story. So he's, um, you know, I think Robert Hill, Dr. Sinclair, and I could not be more proud of that collaboration. Wow. It was beautiful and flawless. Like, it was just, I mean, I, I saw it both times at Bob Carr and Dr. Phillips, and it was just, it was flawless. It was one of those performances where literally the entire time, your breath is just taken away. Like it was beautiful. Did you get to see it? No. No. See, good. We Sorry. have to do it again, just so Please. Mary. Well, can we see have it. we we've had some meetings recently with the ballet, and uh, you know, we always speak about that as really being, you know, we kind of have to, we have our work Please. cut out for us because that was a high bar to hurdle again. But so, so let's talk about you, Betsy Gwen. Oh, I so, have a question I wanted to ask. Betsy. Go ahead. Well, last time we spoke with her, she had just started piano lessons. I was trying to think of the things you said. Oh. I just got a piano. Yes. <laughs> Are you still taking lessons? No. <laughs> so, Who is no, time for piano now. lessons? <laughs> but but my son. We you have two sons, right? I have two sons. Thank you. Yes. And I have a 12-year-old who loves to play. And oh. now he puts me to shame. <laughs> I try. And he is, I think there's something about a 12-year-old 
malleable mind and mm. he's it's beautiful so we have wonderful music filling our house <laughs> and you will add to it soon you. <laughs> you will add to it soon we know this. Will. remind us of your journey to get to the Bach Festival Society I mean what what there's so many different um paths you can choose as a leader that's in your position and you know you can you can translate the skills that you have to a for-profit world and make three times the money and work less the hours but what how did you land here and why did you choose it uh briefly i my background is the visual arts uh the fine arts and i graduated from ucf and i started working at the orlando museum of art and I was in the collection department. I was assistant curator for a while and then led a few projects at the art museum when Marina Grant Morrissey was director. And I had been there for 14 years and just loved the creative process, being, being at an institution that was beloved in the community and meeting artists and thinking about educating the public about the art, just everything that we do really fascinated me mm. and the people that are attracted to a museum or an arts organization, whether they're patrons or professionals, they do it because it's a passion of theirs. And your husband is a sculptor. And my husband, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine had been doing some grant writing for the Bach festival and the society had recently lost its 52 year board president mm. and treasurer, a man named John Tiki, John Meyer Tiki, who led the organization after the death of Mrs. Smith mm. and really single-handedly wow. shepherded it for 52 years. Wow. And I joined in 2006 and I was the fifth executive director in two years. Mm. So it was a transition from a model led by a very influential individual mm. to an to an organization that really needed to become fully independent. Mm. And that was a tremendous challenge. And so I sort of dove in, I admitted up front that my background was not music, but I was uh, well-versed in the central Florida arts community and they took a chance on me and it has been the most wonderful, rewarding, growing experience sort of taking that organization that had this rich history and strong artistic presence, but really a, um, an organizational model that wasn't sustainable, sort mm. of turning it around. And I couldn't be more proud of what the organization has done and what we bring to the community and how it's grown and thrived and the partnerships and the people we meet. And mm. so uh, to anybody looking for a rewarding career, <laughs> not an easy one, and certainly not one without long hours and a long to-do list. I can't imagine getting back as much mm. in any other discipline or field. It's amazing. You're listening to Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. I think that that is beautiful. What a legacy you're leaving to those that come further, because it feels like there's been few sacred hands that have taken this organization over the years. Well, and for, you know, and very opposite from the world that I live in, I get the, the privilege and, and also um, headaches of, of, of leading something that I start out of my garage. So there was no heritage behind me. But what, what are maybe some challenges and joys in leading so much history and so much heritage when you, when you took when you took the helm? 
Well, I think when you lead or are a part of a leadership team for an organization that has such a rich history, so many people are, uh, it's such a precious mm. history. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of move it forward. You have to do things a little differently. You have to be very gingerly. Take your time. You once, do. Yeah. And patience has been a virtue. <laughs> Whereas you're kind of leading something that's all you, you know, yeah. it's your, it's your ideas. It's your, the people you bring together. Whereas I was trying to shepherd something that had this very rich history and, and, and please, keep the integrity of it so that it, and the relationship mm -hmm. we've had with Rollins college mm. for 82 years. I mean, that's been tremendous. Um, Dr. Grant Cornwell is the fairly new president there. He's been just completed the second academic year of his tenure. And so it's, it's making sure that our stakeholders and, and friends and patrons new and old know all about us and what we bring to the community. And even more than that, it's what we like the choir members, what it means to them. I feel like I what do. What does it mean to them? All I can say is I wish I, I can't play the piano and I can't <laughs> sing. My children don't even want me to sing to them. You can sing. I bet you can sing. Well, we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> and I don't think you'll say that. But if, if what, what I know our choir members get from being part of that ensemble, from working every week, on rehearsals to refine phrases and big works. So keep in mind that these choir members are not, they're singing the Bach B minor mass. They're singing, you know, the Mozart Requiem is easy. Uh, they get red meat. Mm. I mean, they are sinking their teeth into some very challenging, difficult music. And John is leading them in a way that not only makes their final performance meet the standards he's set but it's fun and educational and collaborative from beginning to end yeah, I, I mean, remember you saying they work really hard they have to audition they have to be on it so they're working hard and it's just for the love of but what that means to come and stand on the risers in front of that orchestra in front of 600 audience members or 2000 in the mm -hmm. case of Carmina or mm -hmm. Um, with the London Symphony and the guest artists we bring, it's just, mm. I think it's just soul fulfilling and it's like nothing else. Any musician that's, that has the opportunity to perform in an ensemble knows what that's like. Mm -hmm. You work independently, but you're part of a whole and just their part in our legacy. I'm, I mean, I'm just floored with how much of their time, talent, and passion they give. But I also know how life-changing it is for them. And mm. the stories I've heard over my 10 years, almost 12 with Bach, is, you know, makes it so worthwhile. Makes your job easier. Yeah, I, and I had the privilege of singing in, in the choir. And I remember probably I had to graduate with my degree in church music. I had done so many auditions. I'd led big church music programs. And I had never been more nervous for an audition than when I had to sing for Dr. Sinclair. I had convinced myself I wasn't going to get in. And I was the music director of Aloma Church, which is a big church in Winter Park. I'm thinking, I'm going to go audition and I'm not going to get into this choir. Why would you think and I have that? to go back. I don't know. But it was, I really, because it's, it's such high, yeah, it's such high a standard. high standard and, and high quality. It really is. 
and it, you have to work hard to get into that. You know, Dr. Sinclair does What did does you it, sing for your audition? Oh, gosh, I don't even remember. I think it was something from um, from Messiah. It probably was something from Messiah. Um, but I remember how, because for me, it was a community outside of, of my community in the church because I was the leader in that church. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to feel a part of something where I wasn't on a pedestal. And so I, I walked into that that space and I was so loved and greeted and brought into the mm. fold so, so quickly. And <clears throat> I remember my first rehearsal also just feeling so intimidated because it was Dr. Sinclair, like sitting under his baton and, um, and he made it so fun and it was so laid back and relaxed. And I thought, this is the quality that you see on stage is, is one, because the singers are all really fantastic, but he, he has such a great balance of, because I thought, I'm not going to have any fun. We're going to work, 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 work. And it's going to, everything's going to be so nitpicked, you know, like, and it just wasn't that. It was so much fun, so relaxed, but with such high standards. It was such a good balance. I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. I and like I remember that. the first time I performed in Knowles Chapel with that choir and with that orchestra, it was one of the highlights of my personal musical wow. career. So it was, it was a fantastic. I encourage anyone that loves to sing and loves the repertoire and the high expectations and the musicality that the Bach Festival brings to our community, I, I encourage you to go audition wow. for sure. Please so what audition. does it take to audition, audition. And, and what would people prepare? They can prepare, they can come with anything from a church hymn mm-hmm. to a segment of like a Messiah or a Mozart Requiem, uh, just a sample. And Dr. Sinclair uh, really looks over the summer at uh, recruiting new choir members. And in fact, we have an effort now to get the word out for those interested to come and audition. We held one audition in June and others will be held in August. We also have... How can people find out about that? um, Visit our our website, bachfestivalflorida.org. And we're having June, July 16th, uh, Summer Sing. Actually, it's Mozart Requiem. So if you want to sort of see what it's all about, come join us. We will take information on our website. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about that some more, about ways that you can get involved. What do you think, Mary? I think that's a great idea. Great. Well, join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to Magic 107.7 FM. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. We're very excited to be here with Executive Director of the Bach Festival of Winter Park, um, our guest today. Um, Well, one of the things that we wanted to ask you, Betsy, Miss Betsy Quinn, uh, is what do you have coming up that might be a good introduction to someone who's never been to a production of the Bach Festival? That's really a great question, and we have several things on our upcoming season, a few that I'd like to point out. Uh, A program that was new to our audience last year titled Spiritual Spaces. This year's program is Musical Meditations, and Mm. if you can imagine, it's uh, a shorter program, uh, lasts about an hour, and um, Dr. Sinclair likes to think of the program as sort of music that makes you feel beautiful and that you've probably heard from the radio or uh, other sources. So it's familiar, Mm. 
It's beautifully played. And it takes place in Knowles Memorial Chapel. Mm. Where you can transcend and be at bliss and at one with music. Absolutely. I'm so there. It, <laughs> it, it sounds is, beautiful. Yeah, so we did our first performance on our Bach Festival last year. And it was um, a runaway success. Do you I have any about, dates on that? Yes. It's going to be held two performances on Sunday, February 18th. One at 5 p.m. and one at 7. And, and then our, this will be in uh, 2018. Then. Yes. Great. And your season calendar is filled of with diverse programming from piano concerts to concerts in the park at Christmas um, to more chamber type quartets and things like that. What are some other highlights in the season calendar that you want us to hear about? So in addition to works that are uh, easy for people that are interested in coming but don't have a strong classical music background, uh, we're also doing a new series this year titled Insights and Sounds. And they're led by Dr. Sinclair, uh, who's not only a, a magnificent conductor and our artistic director, he's also the chair of the Department of Music at Rollins College. And he'll say he's an educator at heart. So these programs highlight one composer. We have three on a series this year, Bach, Mozart, and Paul Moravec, a mm -hmm. contemporary composer. So it'll be uh, works performed. And then Dr. Sinclair will talk about the, the works and the composers and if you've never heard him, I mean, he's just so engaging, and I know that those will be tremendously popular. We're also very excited about a program we have next spring, next April, titled African American Masterpieces, Symphonic Spirituals. And we're doing that. We talked about community collaborations earlier. Um, there, there are three works uh, that we have wanted to perform, um, just works by exceptionally well-known African-American composers that worked at the beginning part of the 20th century, William Dawson, William Grant Still, and Nathaniel Dett. And these are works that that just um, don't get performed as often as they should. Mm. And we are um, paying homage to the 50th anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King, which is earlier that month. Wow. And we are reaching out to community members to to honor that 50th anniversary. And we thought what better way than to perform these works for our audience. We're partnering with the Bethune-Cookman uh, Choir. Their students will perform with us and we've got all kinds of interesting things up our sleeve for the work for the week leading up to it. Um, we'll invite high school students to, to learn about the composers and the works, uh, hear rehearsals and I think it'll be really fascinating. And what are the dates on that again? Those programs will be Saturday, April 21st and Sunday, April 22nd. That's also 2018. And once again, people can go to BachFestivalFlorida.org for that information. I love that. You know, we talk a lot on the show about, you know, not just doing art for art's sake and that although there are moments where you want to have just listen to beautiful music and create beautiful music, but this is one of those concerts that really opens the door for incredible conversation uh, around the racial divide and all of those types of things. I think it's so creative. What Great job, Betsy, on that. That's awesome. What? Um, so what is Concertos by Candlelight? Oh. That sounds like a great date night. Bingo, <laughs> bingo. Uh, we have, um, we've done this for maybe five years, and when we look you brought up a question I don't think we were on the air. You know, what are you doing that's new? And mm -hmm. while we're rooted in a very classical tradition, a Baroque and classical tradition, 
we're constantly aware that we have to we have to evolve in a way that's comfortable for our audience, but we have to introduce new things or we'll, we'll wither on the vine. Mm. And something we created a few years ago was Concertos by Candlelight. And during our festival, we have the most amazing talent that we bring in from a, throughout the U.S. and beyond to come and perform with us, vocalists, instrumentalists. And this was a way that we could highlight them in a different perf- concert and that we could light the Knowles Chapel with candlelight. Mm, so okay. the the overhead lighting is very dim and we have real lights along the pew ends and then other lights throughout the chapel. And it's just beautiful music. We have something special on the program this coming season. We have a world premiere of a, a piece titled Concerto for Two Clarinets. And it was written by Rollins... Professor Dr. Dan Crozier. Oh, is he still there? He is. He's he's a wonderful composer. And this is a work he's written specifically for um, Bill Hudgens and his wife Catherine will come to Central Florida. Bill's principal clarinetist with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Mm. And they'll be in town and he and his wife will will perform the world premiere of this work. And it's a great it's a great feature of a new work by Dr. Crozier mm. and we get to bring guests like the um, Hudgens to Central Florida community. That's oh, awesome. Tell us about the different um, concert packages, season packages. And I know there's, you guys can, you can buy a ticket to one concert, but there's also different packages and you get savings and just tell us our listeners a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, like all arts organizations, we sell single tickets, but also subscription packages and we have packages that feature our choral works, everything that that features the renowned Bach Festival Choir. And you can buy tickets also to our Visiting Artist Series. And this year we have guests, most notably I should mention that we have the violinist Gil Shaham mm. that has been um, someone we've been hoping to host for a number of years. He's just a phenomenal violinist. And we also have the Takash Quartet, Alan Goldstein, and then the Russian Chamber or Russian String Orchestra. And you can get a package of those works. And then, of course, we have the festival itself, which is in February, late February, early March. So they're time condensed. So, and then you can also get a flex package. So if you want to buy a set of tickets and redeem them throughout the year, you can do that to too. those that you specifically want. We You're want listening. you. To Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. So you have something for everyone. If you get the flex tickets, you can pick the concert you want in your series. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the more you buy, the more you save. And we really, not only is the music fantastic, but uh, we really pride ourselves in customer service and making everyone feel welcome and enjoy their program. Mm. I've got a question for you. Uh, Do you use volunteers? Do you need them? And how would they get involved? And two, why should people come, especially those who have never come? Is it how can we guarantee that they would love this? The the music speaks for itself, and I can tell you, as I have the best job in the world, <laughs> that I get to stand at the door and greet guests as they come, and as they and welcome them goodbye as they exit, and I get to hear all the feedback, and the tears that come from our patrons faces as they're leaving because they've been so moved by the music. That's not occasional. That's Mm. at every performance. Mm. Um, 
Yes, we would, we'd love to have volunteers. Um, we have an email address, info at Bach Festival Florida. We certainly look for concert ushers. So those that would like to volunteer and, and support the performances get to stay and listen to the, the music. Nice. But, um, you know, we have projects throughout the year that we look for additional help with. And yes. So you so. can donate, you can volunteer, you can purchase tickets, but you can also have a shot at singing in the choir, right? So remind us again Absolutely. about choir recruitment time. Please. So you can get more information on our website, BachFestivalFlorida.org. And there's a tab for choir at the top. We do have an open summer sing on July 16th. Full details are on our website, but you can come. There's no charge. In fact, you can download, you can sign up and you'll receive a download of the Mozart Requiem, print it out and bring it. And you'll sing, Dr. Sinclair leads it and we'll have members of the Bach Choir there and you'll get to experience what it's like. So everyone, I encourage you, if you've ever wondered what it's like, join us for that. And if you're uh, really considering joining the choir, please, I, I know from speaking to dozens of folks every year that it is probably the cornerstone of their, art, of their personal expression in their life. Oh, and I love well that. Put. Cornerstone What's of their that personal date expression. again on the all sing on the summer sing? July sixteenth. July sixteenth. Your website is fantastic, and I love at the top how it says next Bach Festival event in, and it gives you a countdown down oh, to the second. Love it. Nine days, twenty hours, two minutes, and twenty five seconds. Well, what's only in nine days? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so you can, as soon as you go on, you can just click See on what's it, next. And know exactly what's happening next. They make I it so that. simple for you. So, is there anything else you want to share with us about the about Bach Festival, Betsy? Well, I could go on. I, I thought an hour would be a long time. And, you know, it's, it a, quick. it's it's an organization that has such a rich history, not just in Central Florida, but, um, you know, throughout the U.S. and the Southern region. I'm proud to be associated with it. And, um, you know, we look forward to the next 83 years. Mm. It's obvious that you're proud to be associated mm-hmm. with it. And when you sat here and talked about how it began, I felt like, oh my goodness, you're part of the legacy. One day a woman like you will be sitting in a chair and then mentioning you and what you've Mm -hmm. done. And we talk about how the arts are stories and about our storytellers. And you're such a a perfect person to tell this story. Thank you. It's like it is a story. I mean, I could go on. And I agree that the arts are stories. And, you know, the people that are touched in the audience by the music and the people that participate and what it means to our orchestra players and the artists that come from around the world and how they clear their calendar in anticipation of the festival Mm. and what it means to be in central Florida in February when the weather's gorgeous and the music is celebrated. I mean, um, in today's world where our attention is diverted every five seconds by a ding on your phone, it's truly a time to reset and mm. and remember what's important or what what's meaningful to you and we don't get those experiences as often as we should that's well, so if true if you saw me looking at my phone it wasn't because i had a message but i found this site of interesting facts about bach do you have an interesting fact about him an unusual thing well i learned here he was, you sure? or, well, he had, he he was had, orphaned by the age of 10 oh. he had 20 children and yes isn't that a crazy uh as a young boy he was a soprano yeah, um, he walked 200 miles from Arnstadt to Lübeck to hear organist Dietrich 
Buchtehund play. <laughs> that was a good shot, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it wasn't right, it sounded like I said it right. <laughs> Buchtehunde. Um, but it, and it goes on. There's just such interesting things about him. Let's hope your facts are, are correct. But yes. <laughs> Mad Magazine. Does that, no, no, I'm kidding. Fake news. And he's still, <laughs> and he's still one of the world's most influential composers. Yeah. And you know, we're we're happy to pay homage to him, and we present one of Bach's major choral works every year on the festival. And those are really, I think of them as like the Mona Lisa mm. of the of the mm. musical Western musical canon. Um, they're just monumental, and I know it's it's a privilege to hear Dr. Sinclair talk about what he learns um, conducting the B minor uh, every five years as he does, and how he's learned from other great masters, and and how Im, how truly dedicated he is to that. And it's we're doing a strategic planning process, kind of looking at where we're going to be in the next ten years, and I think thinking about how we carry that forward, um, conducting those major works is going to be a, a, a part of that plan. Oh, I love that. Well, oh. listeners, if you're driving home or getting ready for your week on this Sunday night, please do not let the title of this organization fool you. Mm-hmm. They, the Bach Festival Society of Winter Park is doing so much more than Bach, even though Bach is important. And they're, they're touching uh, the entire world through their music. Uh, not just Winter Park. And so uh, thank you, Betsy, for, for sharing you, your Betsy. story with us, no, for being such honor, a great leader really. in our community. And you can go and check out the next Bach Festival event in nine days, 19 hours, 58 minutes, and 25 seconds. On <laughs> www.bachfestivalflorida.org. Yeah, go check it out. Donate, join the choir, volunteer. audition for the choir, volunteer, but definitely go and see a show. Uh, Mary, what a what a pleasure. A pleasure. Always. Great way to get started back in. That hour went by really quickly. Can mm-hmm. we have two hours? Maybe. You think we can negotiate Let's that? Let's talk. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. See you next week on Magic 107.7 FM from, from the, the heart. heart.